Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, lads and lasses, people with glasses, and everybody in between. I'm on for the Mackham, and this is the Mackham Football Show. Oh, yep. Today, we're joined by Cabby, who's having a little bit of a spectacle of himself there. Hello, no vinegar tonight, I've run out. <laughs> Good boy. <laughs> uh, if you're watching this live, down below me is Paul Wilson. Good evening. Good evening, and in the bottom right corner is Jacob, a.k.a. Yorkshire Mackham. Hey, my Yorkshire Mackham brothers and sisters. Cool. <laughs> Welcome along. We've got a couple of games to talk about since our last uh, podcast. We've played Stoke City, we've played Leicester City, and we do have Norwich City to talk about uh, in the upcoming game tomorrow as well. So plenty of talking points from those first two games. We'll start off with the Stoke one because it is the most um, distant in our memories and we might get through it a little bit quicker than normal. Uh, we lost that one 2-1. Uh, frustrating performance without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, first half, first goal, 100% a handball from... I can't. I don't know how to say his name. Me? How do you say this guy's name? Does anybody know? Oh, pass, 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 pass. <laughs> he, he blatantly handballs it, though. I, I get how the referee didn't see that ball, but his arm's up, he controls it, he knocks it down, and is allowed to carry on and scores directly from that. Within two more touches, he's scoring that goal. So the players around him are protesting. That is a handball. The Lino definitely should have seen it. If not, he's absolutely blind and should not be ever officiating again. <laughs> bit, bit, bit of a catastrophizer there, but it's it's so blatant. And um, yeah, that that goes on to potentially mar our opinion of the officials in this game again. We've talked about officials in pretty much the last four or five games, which is becoming a standard. Uh, I don't know if you noticed the um if you if you look if you look back at that goal again that you're on about mm-hmm. um have a look at the reactions of the Sunderland fans behind the goal nearly every one of them is just is just like signaling signaling at some point like smacking their arm or something like that um it's um, it, it was just so obvious if all the fans seen it I mean how the hell could two officials not yeah it's just so blatant Paul were you there did you go to be honest I'm I'm pleased I didn't go down I was going to. But yeah. I was like, nah, I, I can see what's coming. It's Alex Neal. <laughs> yeah, there was a little... I felt the same, to be honest with you, mate. Yeah, there was a little bit of little bit of optimism from my end um, around that game because I thought it's a perfect time to show a little bit of vengeance around it. Um, yeah, very, very strange. Lewis, hello, welcome along. He says, one day I will go to the stadium alive. Well, if you make it the 11th of December, November... When we play in Birmingham City, we can meet up. November, <laughs> innit? I think it's November. Yeah, I think it's like in two weeks' time, November. something like that. Um, what were your opinions on the, that initial goal in the Stoke game, Jacob? Stoke uh, game overall performance, like you said, frustrating and about the goal. Yeah, and the performance overall, like. <laughs> Linesman must have seen it, so why didn't he just put his flag up? And it just baffles me. It really just baffles me. But even if VAR was in the championship, you never know. VAR could still say no. It's done that in the Premier. Screwed people over, aren't it? Just look at Liverpool and Tottenham. Mm-hmm. 
Oh. So, someone would probably still get screwed by VAR, you know. So, but I do think VAR needs to be in the championship and, you know yeah. what, maybe League One or two as well. But so, it's, yeah, it's a human error intervention that I'm okay mm. with. It. So VAR is not 100% perfect. Referees are not 100% perfect, but if combined 90% perfection and 90% perfection equals like 99% perfection, I'm all right with that. But it's when it becomes like even worse. The extra step is to highlight the mistakes and correct those in the game. This level doesn't have it, and I think those referees are heavily reliant on it. Paul, you've moved. (laughs) Paul is now here. Pretty a laser fright. <laughs> That's rich. Um, so yeah, the, the the VAR talk, the match officials talk around that first goal. I think, as a fan base, we're just sick of it now. It needs to be fixed. We're, we're shouting from the high heavens. I'm not sure that it's actually in the plans of the AFL, but I think we would be better beneficial of it. We've had the VAR in the Premier League since I think 2019. Um, every team that's come down has it in their stadium. It can be passed down in parachute payments. Just get it get it installed, at least in the championship level of the EFL, to see if they can trial it for the rest of the leagues. It makes it so much more fair. And then at the end of the day, you only have to add in it two seasons, uh, two teams in every season after that fact. So, yeah, but that's where we're at. Then, second goal. Jack Clark with a tap in, an absolute, the easiest goal of his existing career. Uh, an open net from some weird goalkeeping. <laughs> How would you describe that style of goalkeeping nowadays? Because it, 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 Joe Bellingham basically intercepts the ball just before the halfway line and drives towards the goal for about 35 yards, cuts inside, has a shot, and the keeper, rather than grabbing it, like parries it, pushes it into the middle of the space where a defender should, in theory, normally be and clear it out. But he parries it straight to Jack Clark, who has like 95% of the goal to aim at. And it's it's literally one of those ones it's harder to miss than score. I wasn't complaining. <laughs> I wasn't complaining that the referee screwed up, but that was what, three minutes after that VAR incident goal? What what were your thoughts yeah. on what were your thoughts on well I think Bellingham is not getting enough praises for Jack Clark's goal there. Um too, what do you think of that kind of that new goalkeeper style that just rather than catch ball bop, bops it out? One well, Paul, since you've moved towards me. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually have to agree with you and to be to be honest with you, Law. Um I know before he's been it up, but um Mowbray's not happy at the moment, you know, with the strikers. With our strikers? He's not happy with them whatsoever. Why? I know, I know why, but exp- expand on it rather than just say he's not happy. Why, why is he not happy? Because uh, none of them's actually scoring. <laughs> They're not doing their job. <laughs> but the thing is, what I like about it for tomorrow, he has hinted of Mayenda. Oh, I forgot he existed. <laughs> yeah, he... No, no uh, that was Hamia Samedo's from Benfica. Uh, Mayenda is from... Is he from Lorient or PSG? He's from, he's from a French team. Yeah. 
Yeah, but Morbius hinted to Nick Barnes that Meander could actually be on the bench tomorrow. I'm, I'm, I'd like to see one of our strikers just start and finish the entire game. I think one of them, i.e. <laughs> Burstow, is match fit for the entire game. It's just we're not trusting him enough. We're not giving them enough service. So the likes of imagine if a striker was in Clark's position there. You gotta think Bellingham's driving from the halfway line. Burstow's somewhere in the middle of the park, in the middle he of midfield. Does he? He just does not no, look interested. No, yeah, I think he does though, mate. I think it's just he's that desperate to get the ball. He's dropping back into a midfield position. He's not getting any service. And I can't blame him. So if we if we take one person out the middle of the park and put them higher up. That naturally makes the, def- the midfielders want to get rid of it forward because they they're the ones that are going to cause most of the mistakes. But having well, I think a... Tony Mowbray would address that, wouldn't you? I mean, it's been a few games now where he's been sort of non-existent. What Mowbray or the Burstow? Um, Burstow, yeah. I mean, that's you think Mowbray would like to address it? I mean, how many games has it been now where a lot of the fans on social media were saying like, "Is Burstow mm-hmm. be on the pitch?" I mean, he's, yeah. What In would you? Real- Sorry. Do, do you not think uh, Chelsea's put a clause in that contract uh, for us to actually play him every week? No, that's impossible to guarantee. You cannot guarantee um, a, a person starting, and that is he's a loan e player. We could just cancel his loan. <laughs> like you, could, I don't think a loan e club can dictate how that the the club that takes that player play, uh, decides to develop that individual at the end of the day he is their employee he's our rental he's our what's it what do you call it a contractor essentially he's doing the job for us but to varying degrees of actual success so yeah um if i was chelsea looking at burstow's performance what are you thinking what would you do with him because chelsea have a like a huge academy right they have a huge backlog of players what are you thinking? Does he need to go out on, on loan again next season? Yeah, maybe to develop them. If they want him in the Chelsea team and main senior team in the future, then mm. I think if I were Chelsea, I'd say, you know what, let's loan him out again. Mm-hmm. Keep developing him and, you know, turn him into a good player for the future. To be fair, that's kind of what we're doing with our like entire squad. That's that's our yeah. in, that's our name. Thank you, Jim. Jim, welcome along. He says Meander's from FC Sochaux. Um, he's had one start and fifteen sub appearances last year, but at least he was scoring with them. Um, Meander was the one that picked up the injury as soon as he came in. Like literally first day of inju- uh, first day of uh, training, he was injured, and he's been out. He hasn't started a single game in the first thirteen. So. Like, so I, like I said, I forgot he existed. He's not been he's not been in the rumor mill. He's not even, yeah, being considered really. Um, the fact that he's he's potentially like looking at upheaving the other three strikers that have been underperforming. Shall we? Shall we say? I'm all right with. Like, I, again, I I understand where Mowbray is coming from. He's he's upset with like how the strikers are performing, but there's a little bit of a down to, there's been opportunities where Clark's had a penalty. Why are you not giving that to the striker? Yes, I know Clark's a dedicated penalty taker and he's got his tallies going up, but 
if your strikers are struggling for goals, there's the easiest in. If you've ever got one, it's a direct one-on-one shot with a goalkeeper. <laughs> like, yeah, it makes so much more sense. But yeah, I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how we how we um develop our front three. But burst. So going back to the point, burst was nowhere to be seen for that clock tapping. Clark was in the box. Clark was in the danger zone, and Clark is the league top scorer off the back of it. So, <laughs> is Clark now a dedicated striker for Sunderland? Might as well be. He's he's literally yeah. be- he's better than every other striker, literal out now striker in the league. Might as well will be because well, like I was listening to Mobo's press conference actually for this game for tomorrow, and it actually sounded like Jack Clark actually was up front against Leicester. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty much he's cutting into the box all the time. Um, I think he should be more of a supplier, crosser into the box. But like you said, Burstow's never there because he's trying to like get it further down the page. So he's if he's crossing it, he's crossing it into empty empty space, which obviously looks worse because <laughs> nobody's on the end of it. Maybe Bellingham might be bursting through, or Roberts is popping in. But yeah, I think if we've got strikers, they should just be. It shouldn't be dropping back. I know it's like an, 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 a thing you've got to like coach out of strikers to like stop trying to assist too much in the midfield. But that's on that's only where they're gonna um <laughs> that's only where they're gonna change it. Uploads just said Burstow is a flip uh, a flipping wish version of Will Grigg. <laughs> I mean he is a low knee. At least we didn't spend what was what did we spend on Will Grigg? Like fifteen million, something like that? It was, Five million. It was way too much. It was if it if it started with seven figures, it was more than he's worth. Um, but this way, he wasn't on fire, was he? Well, it depends on what kind of fire. No, the other <laughs> Greg's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, went, he went to Greg's. Will Greg's on fire? Um, yeah. So back to the store game, lads. The. First half, after we levelled the game back up, I thought it was okay. It was contentious. We looked in it. We looked the better team for the most part. A couple of decisions not going our way, but um, going into the halftime whistle 1-1 and then come back out, concede a corner in the first minute of that game, and yeah. <laughs> like We concede straight from a corner two minutes into that second half. Go on, Cabby. What What's your thoughts on on the the second Stoke City goal? Just falling asleep at the back. Simple as that. Um, just to clear as daylight that we got that header. Uh, it was just. It's like it's like they were. They were out on the pitch and the minds were still in the dressing room. It mm-hmm. was like. I just couldn't have started a worse start of the second half. It was like, oh for God's sake. Um. It was, just, it was just terrible. We need to tighten up mm. and set pieces. But, but yet again, you get rid of the likes of Danny Bath and that could be massive car horse. What do you expect? You know, when we're getting rid of our really decent decent defenders and stuff, it's just, we just seem to be clueless on set pieces with balls coming in at the minute. Who, whose job is that? Is that the coaches or Mowbray's? Bit of both, I'd say. Okay, because it's it's a quite common theme for us to zonally mark from set pieces and from cor- like from corners and free kicks. So it's clearly like that's our tactic for defending those. 
and zonal marking works. It does work if you've got the right player in the right position. If you've just got a number in a position, i.e. you've got a five foot nine uh, Luke or nine coming up against a six foot five centre back, that makes no sense. Yes, that person's in that position and he's doing the job, but he's never going to be able to leap as high as that um, six foot five defender. So zonal marking only really works if you're coming up against somebody in your same physicality. <laughs> so we need to, we, I think we just need to adopt the good old facet, uh, good old classic Sunday league style, man to a man, player to a player, attack somebody in your same kind of physique pattern. That six foot five defender, if he was marked by Bellingham the entire time, if he was marked by um, Ballard, it would have been a much different story. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Jacob, you've been been quiet on this one a little bit. What's your thoughts on the oh, yeah. uh, on the the instant second leader, I guess, against Stoke? Second goal, uh, sloppy, sloppy defending. Really, I think defending could have been a lot better, and for it to be in straight away first half of the first half of the second half, you get what I mean. It's just Right, disappointing, and to and to and to lose to Alex Neil again makes it worse, doesn't it? Because yeah, of course how he left the club and some of the snarky comments he said before the five-one game last season. It's just, yeah. Oh, I'm hoping he's still manager when we play him at home, and then we can get revenge. But who knows? It's just yeah, it was a silly goal to concede, and yeah, of course, it- of course that was the winning goal. That was their winning goal, wasn't it? It was. You you mentioned that very, you mentioned very briefly in there poor poor decisions from the ref. Um, I'll ask I'll ask Paul and and Cabby about that. The the refereeing, like I said earlier on, we've talked about it to the nth degree. Now poor poor officiating in this league. We've mentioned for how much of the blame the finger pointing that we we like to do when we lose because everybody needs to. Um, what went wrong, a lot of fans are saying decisions that the referee were making were a big contributor to that. How much do you agree with those fans? For me, I would say quite a lot. Put put a rough percentage on it. like To blame on the ref or, or the decisions that they didn't or they should have made, how much of that would have impacted the game? And how much of it is just Mowbray being tactically inept against Alex Neal's teams? In a way, I think I think it's Mowbray as well, like because um, mm-hmm. you know when uh, Alex Neal was shouting at the referee, well, not the referee, but it, apparently he was shouting at the fourth official. Uh, you know when the referee went over to him. Right. Okay. I remember. I actually think the referee should. I know the referee spoke to him. Okay. But, uh, I think the referee probably would have. Referee should have done something more. Hmm. Okay. Cabby. Your thoughts on Hello. that? How much do I think the referee impacted that stalk game? Yeah. No, the 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 um. officials. The officials. 
Mm. I'll tell you my rough percentage if that if that helps. I think it's probably about seventy percent down to how poor the refereeings were, and thirty percent on the tactical decisions made by Mowbray and the coaching staff. So a big chunk of how we performed in that second half, our players were doing absolutely everything they possibly could under that guidance and under that restriction from the match officials. It's just, it was just, I don't know. It just didn't, didn't pan out the way we wanted it to. And obviously it's really easy to say that when you lose a game, but we can't, we can't account for 70% of our game going wrong because officials are not doing their job effectively. Only, that's a lot of luck that you I mean, need, right? Right, absolutely. Yeah. Do you know, I think it was because of how long Morbid took as well to make a, sub- a substitution. Oh, <laughs> that's the 30%, yeah. So he has a very rigid, very predictable style of um, style of management. Uh, he'll make a substitution at... Half time, one sub, only ever one sub at half time, if we're lucky. If he doesn't do that, it's if he does do that, it's two subs at the sixty minute mark or three subs, all at the same time, every single time. One comes on on the seventieth or seventy fifth minute, and the other one on the eightieth or eighty fifth minute. He has a very predictable style, and that style, Mowbray no, not Mowbray knows. Alex Neil knows to a T. Like if I can pick it out, <laughs> Alex Neil will definitely be able to see that trend and pattern. He has no ability to adapt to the uh, opposition, which Alex Neal is notoriously known for. So, yeah. Mowbray's got a lot to, to blame for that. If he's, if he's doing another run-of-the-mill game, especially after a horrible defeat against Borough, it was a perfect opportunity for him to change it up, right? Do you know what I was, you know what I was frustrated with? Is the fact, like, um, I thought there would have been a bounce-back effect with that... Um defeat mm-hmm. against Middlesbrough, I thought maybe the lads would have been angry with the the, mm-hmm. the sending off um, the, the playing Alex Neal side. Um, I just thought there would have been there yeah. would have been more fire, more 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 fight, more power in the Sunderland display. Mm-hmm. And I was just disappointed how flat Sunderland were. Mm-hmm. It was like you know I I, I was just surprised how, how flat we were. Yeah, so. I'm going to call this back because Jim's popped in the chat. For that Stoke game, Dan Neal was a massive miss, he says, and the referee had an absolute shocker. So we've talked about the referee side of it, but the players that were missing in the middle of the park, Ekwal was there, wasn't he? Um, And I think he was brought back a little bit too soon. I don't think he's 100% fit, Ekwal. Yeah, I think he's about 80% there. He's clearly like physically fit to to, like train and stuff, but... He's not. He's not back up to his peak fitness. Oh no! Will you stop snoring? No, you. Yeah, oh, she's very cute. Um, I but... thought that. Was, I thought that was Cabby. I thought that was Cabby. Does it? Just mute him, man, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. The, the Stoke game again. I guess was kind of the last of our poor performances. The second half, we should have come out a little bit more switched on, a bit more um, aware of our conditions of the game because we played 45 what minutes it, at that point. What made it frustrating was the fact like how poor Stoke were. Mm-hmm. They, were they were there for the taking. I, I, you know, we can't, we can't like polish your turd. I mean, Stoke, they were shocking. Mm. They, were, they were terrible. And, you know, if, if we could have just played to our usual... Decent performances that we have done in the past, mm-hmm. you know, we could have we could have annihilated them. It was just like, 
I'm trying to remember now. Was that the game where we started no strikers at all? Or was that the uh, yeah, game? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was the Stoke game. No, it was the it was the store game. It was everybody was kicking up about it. Like, mm. yeah, because Ian, welcome along by the way, mate. Says no point complaining about the ref. I, yeah, I agree. There's, there's very little change that's going to happen. We've, like I said, we've got to point the blame somewhere. You have to take your chances, and we are not playing a striker who's relatively anonymous in those games. Um, he has no faith in him or Rusin. I think he has faith in Rusin. I think he's, it's just a language barrier with him. He can't yeah, like understand. He, he can have as much briefings, but he's not able to react and adapt to the game. If we start a striker like we did against Leicester City, we will have a good performance. I, I just the, the entire outfit on that Stoke game was like just geared up for us to lose. So, and right, well, Paul, Paul said he says he, was, he asked him, to, are, "Are you going to the game?" And he thought, like, you know, it's 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 Alex Neil in it. It's like it's yeah. like it was almost. Nailed on what was going to happen before a ball was kicked. The, the thing is, I, I can respect. Way, oh, go on then, sorry. Put this way, Lord, I was shout, she shouting at the screen, Lord. Yeah, <laughs> the point, ball, you, I was shouting. you had to. <laughs> if you had the game, it would have been even worse. The you play Alex Neil another 10 times, he beat us 10 times. He, he, does have, he does have that bogey appeal to his current squad. He could go to QPR and they'd end up beating us because it's just like he, he knows how we work and he'll be able to get our players to, to perform against it. But I think I can, I rate Stoke City as a, like, as a club. It's an underdog city. It's an underdog club. But whilst well, they've got... Leeds as well, fighting after us. Exactly. exactly. <clears throat> I, can, I, can, I can rate them as a an outfit, as a, as a, as a footballing um, potential Premier League team. They're not going to be in the Premier League for a while, but whilst they've got Alex Neil there, I've just got very like my respect for them is just zero. Um, as soon as he's gone, I'll I'll get it back. But I feel sorry for Lyndon Gooch who's there and not getting utilised. And yeah, is that? <sighs> we'll move on to the rest of the game, shall we? Um, we've got a couple of uh, points from Acacia saying there. Um, we she went to the Q and A, so we'll talk about the Q and A at the very end of the stream, um, because there is a couple of, as I as Cabby put it, a little bit of silly questions that were asked by the fans. So we'll go into those silly questions at the end. Um, but the Leicester game again, we lose this game. This one for me was a much better, solid performance from Sunderland. We look comfortable on the ball. It's again not being clinical in front of goal. The refereeing was much better. Yeah, he made some mistakes, but he, overall it was balanced. He made some mistakes for us and he made some mistakes for Leicester. So we, we're not blaming the referee. There was a penalty appeal for us, but that was counteracted. If we if we, uh, if we we look at it the, uh, blatantly, there was a fell that I think it was Dennis Serkin did. He pulled the shirt of the, um, the right winger for Leicester City and the fell ended up in the box, but he was given a, a free kick just outside the box so the foul was recognised but it wasn't given as a penalty which it should by the letter of the law so penalty appeals were balanced out um, cards I think were fairly distributed yeah I think the referee we could, nobody can blame for this game it was purely our system on defending defending set pieces man marking we'll talk about it again <laughs> is horrible uh, it, the, the zonal marking is horrible man marking is the way we need to go Comments, boys. <laughs> Go for it. Um, yeah, like I said, performance-wise, we were 
Well, actually, we were pretty good, and that's unless the fans have even said that's we're the hardest team that they've come up against at the moment this season. Mm-hmm. So that's got to show summer. Even though we've lost, it's a dis- yes, disappointing result, but you can't take the performance away, can you? Really, mm-hmm. especially against a team that are killing it, you know. And if you're hearing their fans saying we're the best team they've played, that's got to be summer, hasn't it? But over and yeah, I do think we should have had a penalty. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yes. Yeah. It was the same with Stoke near the end of Stoke game. We should have had a pen. So that's two games where we should have had a pen, and yet I don't know what the ref's doing. He's probably mm-hmm. thinking about what he's having to see. But yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't as bad as the ref in the Borough and Stoke game, but still, he won't. Yeah, he won't. Great worry. I think he had a bit of little man syndrome, to be honest, but. Yeah, I want. Oh, you were saying that well, quite vocally on the on the live stream, <laughs> little yeah. man, little man, little man, little man. But what are you talking about? <laughs> Who's got the little man little syndrome? Man. Little man syndrome, yeah. Napo- Napoleon syndrome, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I, like I said, I I don't think the referees to blame for our end result there. I think it's it is it is just purely about being clinical. Paul, you're nodding along. Guessing you agree with both of us. Yeah, but. To be honest, I, I was shocked that uh, Sky actually blamed our players, you know, for our penalty because I was listening to what Sky was saying. Apparently, Sky actually blamed our players for not complaining. That shouldn't be down. Well, <laughs> that's a really terrible take from Sky Sports if that's what they've said. Because look at what happened to Dan Neal at the Borough game. As soon as he complained at the ref, he got a yellow card. So our team is fully aware. If you complain. Too vocally, we're getting cards. So no, and none of our players are going to complain because it's going to get us red, uh, yellow cards and red cards. That's just a, that's just a horrific take on Sky Sports uh, side of it. Um, yeah, um, Ian said a better performance, but Pato made two or three outstanding saves. Yet they hit the bar three times or two or three times, didn't they, uh, Leicester in that game as well? So it could have been much worse. And, yeah, we can't defend set pieces. Nice little summary there. Cabby, what's your thoughts? Oh, that's the game. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, um, I thought we uh, more than matched Leicester, and I thought in, in, in large aspects of the game, I thought we were the better side. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in large clumps of that game, <clears throat> um, the way we were passing the ball, we, we weren't giving Leicester any time at all when they were coming out from their back or the goalkeepers rolling out, we were just closing them down so quick and press, impressing them. Yeah. Um, we were outstanding. Um, the penalty decision, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, but we're still going to put the penalty away. But I think the biggest letdown for that on that night was just our finishing. We, we mm-hmm. couldn't hit a, um, you know, a, platter, a platypus's arse with a teaspoon that, that night. We just, we just couldn't. <laughs> we, we, they were just going, you know, 20 metres out of the bar, they were, they were awful, they were leaning back when they were hitting the shots, they were just, they were terrible, terrible efforts on goal, but apart, that was the only fault I could fault the Sunderland, was, was the finishing, that just was not there at mm-hmm. all. Not clinical enough. Yeah, and to be fair, I, did, I think we did ourselves a little bit of good service and a little bit of respect was instilled back into our performances in that game as well. You've got the Borough one, which was absolutely horrific, then the um, underperformance against Stoke, and then this Leicester performance, it could have been, it could have went either way. We deserved Stoke, a point or more no, on that one. Stoke defeat. 
I was more annoyed of the Stoke defeat than I was on the Leicester defeat. Put it that way. I mm. was so I was really, really. Um, I'm not going to swear on on on, on here, but I was Thank really, you. really peed on yeah. massively against Stoke. It was like I was annoyed. Oh, we, we we could have done something about the Leicester goal. Luke and I could have jumped and headed it away the ball, but yeah, Bellingham yeah. could have been aware that his zone was being attacked by a defender. It was just a. It's slow reaction, and that's what happens with with zonal marking. the The goal itself, I think, it's a well taken goal. It's a very professional goal from Leicester. It's how we reacted to that after that point, which I think, yeah, we didn't actually materialise and get the ball in the back of the net again. That's what work Mobley has to do it, with strikers. Well, as one player, one player that's took a bit of criticising is mm. Patrick Robertson. I thought he was absolutely immense. I thought he was one of the best, mm. one of the best players um, against Leicester that night. He, he ran and ran and ran. He was causing all kinds of problems. Oh, um, yeah. So I think he, need, he deserves a bit of credit because, like you say, a few of them were saying, oh, Pat Robs has been off the ball the last few games. But he, he was immense against Leicester. Every time he got the ball, mm-hmm. um, it looked, looked like we are going to do something. He, he, was, he was dangerous. Like a bit of the old Patrick Roberts coming back. I thought it was great. Yeah. Um, I, know, I know we had, on, on performances in that game, we had a goal conceded. But um, Acacia's pointed out, Dan Ballard had an absolute worldly of a game. How he's he should he should be in the Premier League very very soon. I have no doubt about that. Uh, same with Anthony Patterson. He made some amazing saves. If you if you put this Pat, if Anthony Patterson against Don Nana in, in again in my new shirt, Patterson would save nine times out of ten more than uh, Onana. It's like he was just so switched on and alert. The problem I think Patterson has is his distribution from his feet. He can throw a ball to a person, but. Distribution, like if you want to play a style where it's like pass out from the back, he's not going to be able to do that very comfortably. Um, but yeah, performances on the pitch: Patterson, uh, Ballard, um, and Roberts. But then a little bit also Clark. But you'd expect that from Clark. <laughs> no, it is. If Clark has a bad game, the entire team's having a bad game. Not long, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thing I like about it as well though, because Mowbray said apparently that Sirkin, you know, since he since he came on, Sirkin's actually pushing for a start tomorrow. I don't. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, that does bring me on to the to the next one, but I'll uh, quickly call out uh, Jim Nesbitt's uh, qualified the comments that Sky made. He said he didn't blame the players for not complaining. He just said there wasn't much reaction from them. Which wasn't easy to see. So, like, maybe like we didn't react to like, whoa, that's a fell. Maybe it was just like, oh, we're not getting this. <laughs> I don't know. But we shouldn't have to like dramatize our reactions to to a fell to to get it. So, yeah, a fair point. Thank you for clarifying, Jim. And Robin Hotia says everybody was bad on that corner. Absolutely everybody. Well, if they were wearing a, a Sunland shirt, that is. And um, Patterson was a boss for sure. So. Let's summarise that game in one sentence each. Jacob, go for it. Leicester game. Yeah. Um, disappointing result, but performed well. Yeah. Succinct. Cabby? Simple. Um, solid all over the park apart from finishing. Okay. Paul? Could have won them, but move on. Move on, yeah. Um, I think it's the end of our uh, our defeats. Um, 
So oh, oh. yeah, yeah. Um, what what what's the, what, a new hope is coming? There we go. Um, for yeah, we'll also talk a little bit about that because Jim says I thought Job looked tired. Otherwise, might have jumped into Leicester scorer, and Robert needed more brand products. Do we get Alicia back? And I'm on the fence with Job. So Job's performance, Equa's performance. I think their positions are up for grabs in this upcoming game against Norwich City because of that. Um, yeah, I'll go with my lineup just so you've got that to hand. I've got it written down here. I've got Patterson written down for in goal, Huggins, Ballard, or nine and Serkin at the back. Equa is a holding central defensive midfielder. No Dan Neal. Uh, Robertson Clark with Bellingham as the central attacking midfielder, and then a choice. We either support Bellingham with Pritchard, or we go two up front with Rushen and Hamir. That's my choice. We either go for a 4-4-2 with a diamond in the middle, or a 4-5-1 like we used to. But, um, yeah. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Robin Hood's come up with one of the points. Uh, I was going to say that about Bellingham as well. Equard doesn't look fully fit. He looks like he's been rushed back to the squad. Yeah, he does actually. Is there anybody that's on the fringe that you think we should be starting? Or what? What do you think we should do to change tactically away from how we performed against Leicester? Don't all jump in at once, boys. <laughs> Cabby, do you think we need to change how we set ourselves up against Leicester for this Norwich side? Well, firstly, tighten up definitely at the back for, for corners and set pieces and that. that that's got to be one of the, the number one things addressed. Because mm-hmm. um, we're just falling falling asleep at the minute over set pieces. Um, mm-hmm. We know we can pass the ball. We, we know we can pass the move. We're being known to have the tippy-tap football really, really quick and sides can't deal with us because we are capable of doing that. Many, many games have shown um, yeah, I would I would just say we need to just tighten up at the back, especially like on set pieces and that. Um, because we are we're not other than that we are decent in defence. Um, yeah, in open player. Yeah, in open player. Yeah, but something seems to change when a set piece happens. It's it's like it's, it's I can't put my finger on it, but the set pieces needs to change and. Um, just um, the, the finishing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm surely, hopefully, they'll have been practicing that on training. Um, <laughs> I think everybody does think... that, do they? Like, they kick the ball out of the goal. That's like the number one kick thing strikes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that, that's, that's two things I would change because there's not there's nothing really much wrong with our player, to be yeah. honest with you. It's just those two things I would like to address. So it's the tactics on set pieces, essentially, and, and solidifying. Bar- yeah. So Ian's chipped in and says, I guarantee he plays the exact same lineup as the Leicester game. He refuses to rotate the team. Paul, comments? To be honest, I have to agree with that. I don't think Moby, well, nobody's like, he not rotate the squad. So, he has to, but he won't. So you're saying Burstow's starting over the likes of Hamia and, and Rusin still, even though he's not scored. And he has had the opportunity just... I, yeah, he keeps on dropping too far back for me. I'm sorry, but he, he tries to play where Bellingham is. Yeah, I think Moby, no, no, nobody's like in that change of squad. Okay. Um, 
Acacia says I'll, I'll it'll be, be... if he does, but I don't think he will. Yeah, Acacia's agreeing with you, saying it'll be the same team from Leicester the other night. Mason will obviously be up front again tomorrow. I don't know if that's obvious to everybody because he he's played what five, he started four games now and still nothing's materialised. So uploads just says drop most uh, drop Bursto all day long, and I am clearly calling out for with Rusa and Ahmed starting instead. Jacob, yeah, what's your thoughts? Do we change the lineup? What do we do? Do we keep it the same? There's kind of a mixed bag here. I mean, it's probably going to be the same, isn't it? Because Mowbray's that sort of manager. Um, but if I were him, I'd probably maybe have a four-four-two. Okay. Fair now. First and Russian up at top. Yeah. But yeah, I do think it beats. I do think yeah, he's going to get do the same squad as Leicester. To be fair. So okay. It's his team in it. At the end of the day, that's his team. If he wants to do that, that's fine. Preferably, I'd prefer to have maybe a 4 4 2 some other, but. Okay. You know. Are you eating crisps at the same time, mate? No, I. <laughs> he just sounded like you're doing like that with your mic. <laughs> yeah, well, it would, yeah, well, would be a shock to us all if a Meander actually starts. I was just about to bring that up. I've literally just <laughs> squiggled under Meander because he is apparently rumoured to be coming match fit or nearly match ready. And he will more than likely, if he is on that like fringe of being ready to play, he'll be on the bench in this game, if not this game, the next. So I think there's a couple of claimants for people. Because if we're all going for the exact same lineup from last week, why is Chris Rigg not an option to start on, on Saturday games at least? Midweek, I guess, because he's obviously still at school. <laughs> That's my blowing. But like. Well, he gets half term. It's if we've got to be relying on the school holidays, mate. Come on. Um, yeah, they, there's a couple of players that are coming off the bench and pulling their heart, like putting their hearts on the sleeve and, and upping our performance. But is that because they're coming off the bench or is that because they want to begin the starting lineup? I guess that's an open question for, for another day. Um, Robin Hood's also agreed with uh, with with uh, with you you guys. By the way, I don't think it changes. But to be fair, the effort against Leicester uh, with that lineup wouldn't have uh, gotten the win against most of the rest of the league. Burstow does need to be further up, uh, or or he needs a, a supporting striker to to stay up with, um, keep players up the pitch. With all of that in mind, with our lineup pretty much agreed, it's going to be. Roughly the same with a, maybe a tweak here and there for injuries. The Friendly Cup, who's taking it home? What's our predictions for the game? 2-1 Sunderland. 2-1 Sunderland for me. 2-1 Sunderland. Uh, who's getting the goals for Sunderland? Oh, I'm going with Clark and Equa. Clark, Equa. Midfielders again. Mm. Okay. Paul? 3 1 Sunderland. Again, do you give them the goals? <laughs> Who's getting them? You can't just say goal, like goal scorers and then, like, <laughs> I don't know, 5 1 goals? <laughs> uh, Jack Clark will get one. Yeah. 
Patrick Roberts will get one. Okay. And I'm gonna go Bellingham. Job. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Ian, I think, is on the same wavelength as Cappy and, uh, and said a two-one Norwich win. Who's getting that goal for you, Ian? Um. Killjoy. Yeah. Well, if we've got somebody thinking it in the chat, I can guarantee well, Cabby's Cabby's putting his uh, his his typical Sunderland head on as well. What are you thinking, Cabby? Result wise. Result wise against Norwich. Well, be hard. I was want Sunderland to win three 0 every single week. Of course I do, but I just think the rot's going to continue, and I think uh, Norwich will Norwich will win two uh, one. I think we'll get an early goal. I think Norwich will come back into it. Yeah. And I think um, our, our goal scorer, I think, will be your own goal. Not your own goal. <laughs> so we're not even getting a goal scorer in a Sunderland shirt. Is yeah. it me or does Cabby always go for a Sunderland loss? Like, he always predicts us to lose. No, he doesn't always. It's just a, it's, a com- it's a confidence factor thing. Um, Jim said... I want, of course, I mean, I'm, I'm sick to death of having this losing feeling on the Saturday and, and back, back to work the next week. Mm. Of course, I want it to change, but... At the minute, the way it was set up and without the striker, and I just can't see it. Mm. I I can though, and I I think that's just me being more of the optimist. Um, I'll go through a, a couple of extra um score lines from the the chat. Acacia saying four one Sunderland, and I have no idea where we're getting four goals against Norwich from. Maybe we rally the uh, crowd up enough to upset them. Uh, uploads are saying three two Sunderland. That I can see is happening. A high-scoring game, both of them, but four for Sunderland is a, it's a good ask. Um, Jack Clark, Job, Paddy Roberts and Dan Ballard for Acacia. Dan Neal says Sunderland's goal is coming from Dan Neal. I mean, has he scored recently? Because he's very very far back. Would he have to like score a goal like Equar did? Hmm. Um, and, then, and, then he'll, and then he'll give the V sign at the referee saying, <laughs> don't you dare send me off. You mean Vic, you're the victory sign? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Norwich has 24 goals against, and if we score one goal, I'd be extremely disappointed, says Robin. So he thinks we've got a lot of goals to, 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 to score past this Norwich side. Uh, Ted, with his classic 6-0 Sunderland, that would be amazing. Uh, I've been told... Paul, that Norwich fans will be calling Wanger to go, apparently. You can elaborate on that after I've gone with my scoreline. Ranks has chipped in with 2-0 to the lads. If he plays Burstow scores, that's an interesting take. And Clark, if not Burstow, whoever we put up top. Clark, Rushen, Chrissy Rigg. I'm going to go for a, I think I said 3-1 Sunderland win. I think our goal scorers are going to be Rushen, if he starts, if not... um, Rushen, if he starts, if he doesn't start, then it's going to be Clark, Clark, and um, Roberts. Let's go the goals, the, the wingers, basically. Our wingers come strikers because they're the only ones that are finding the net. <laughs> but that's 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 where we're at at the minute. I'm going three one. Um, we'll see how that goes. So elaborate on that point about um, them asking their manager Wagner to go. So uh, this is like, obviously they're not doing well in the table, but. Is that justified? Yeah, I can probably see where that's coming from because uh, after their last 
their last loss. Mm-hmm. Um, I was checking actually, actually that checking their Twitter feed. Uh, and actually their supporters are every single one of their fans is actually calling for the manager to go. Okay. But so I was actually looking as well to see if Danny Bart has played any games for them since he's been there. He hasn't even started a game. <laughs> what was the point, Danny mate? Uh, I guess he was pushed out the door of Sunland, but yeah, fair enough. Um, on that, I know you said Wagner's got calls to go out, but I've seen on Twitter on X um, that some Sunland fans have been very, very strongly um, Morbury out, which I, I think that's way too premature. Um. <laughs> I think, yeah, I understand where they're coming from. Three losses in a row is never nice to see. Um, but we've we've identified, like, points to blame and areas of improvement in that. I think it's premature to say Mowbray out. If you look at it in the realistic sense, like, from a Sunderland standpoint, we are still better off at game 13 than last season with two points ahead. And the next two games, game 14, 15, we lost both of those, and then we drew game 16. So... If we pick up one more point, more than one point in the next three games, we are a game ahead of where we were last season. So we've improved. We have improved. It just doesn't feel it on the back of three losses. So, yeah. <laughs> if we look- I'm proud to see where that's coming from, though, Anth, mm-hmm. because um, as a case you'll tell you, I was listening to what Nick, um, Nick Barnes actually interviewed Tony Mowbray yesterday. Sure. And Tony Mowbray actually was frustrated. Yeah, with, you, you've lost. You've with, lost with the, with the striker situation. Mm. Because uh, apparently, every press conference now, the media is actually asking Tony Mowbray uh, <laughs> about them. And from uh, I didn't listen to the full interview, but Total Sport played some of the interview, and what it sounded like. Tony Mowbray actually was angry. Yeah, I, I can I can understand that because last season, I don't know if you recall, but it got to the point where it was an absolute joke. I would bring in more strikers. What's the striker situation like? What's the strikers? Now they've actually done the job and brought the strikers in. They're still going, why are the strikers not performing? <laughs> it's just the same question, just a different root cause. Just I find that I find that quite funny. Yeah, and Mowbray said to Nick Barnes. Uh, that he sees them every day, and yeah, you know, Mobra said if they do well uh, in uh, training, he'll play them. Yeah, and I, I like because that's that's the most recent form factor training sessions, right? So yeah. if you if you're putting your heart on your sleeve in the training session, it means you're going to put your heart on your sleeve in the game. If you if you had a dip, it's it's a mentality and men, a mental mental game as much as it is physical. So yeah. On a, on a, on a diff- different point, do you think sure. it, it's getting harder for teams that's been in the championship for a while <laughs> to compete with teams that's been relegated from the Premier League? Do you think it's, you think it's getting harder for, for us to no. say to, to teams to compete? No. No. Yeah, Burnley came Burnley came back down and they walked the league. Leicester City come back down. It looks like they walk in the league. You know. Yeah. So the reason I'm saying no is because that is one that is two teams, maybe three teams in the last five years that you could say that to. But you could say it to the polar opposite end. 
Um, Leeds and Southampton are not killing it, are they? Leeds, Southampton, yeah. Watford, West Brom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Stoke. like, right, Stoke were relegated about 10 seasons ago. <laughs> it's been a while since they were Premier League. But, um, yeah, the, it, you'll have some teams that are just, they shouldn't have gone down. Or maybe they were, like, on the fringe of staying up on the last game of the season and, and they've dropped and they've kept everybody because they know the momentum is with them to come straight back up. We did that a lot when uh, we went down um, in the early 2000s. We kept a lot of our core strength for our squad and then went straight back up. So, yeah. I I think it is just you'll get those teams that are too good for this league. But to the opposite end, you've got teams that are too bad for this league and just look at Sheffield Wednesday. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, some teams shouldn't be where they're at. Uh... Yeah. Oh, we can. Oh, we can. Oh, we can. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah. We. I don't know. We can play it okay until like they sack the manager, and then it just fell downhill from that point onwards. When we beat them, that was that game thirteen last season. And then after that point, they just crumbled. But at that at that point, they were in the top. They. I think they were fourteenth, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, sorry, I'm just trying to catch up on chat at the same time because <laughs> it's a little bit tricky with um with where we're at because I, I don't want to go too far back. That's where I wanted to go back to. Pennywell Pundit says, DJ, you're looking super intelligent with your specs on there, mate. <laughs> do, do, do you want to respond to that? <laughs> Thank you, but I'm actually thick as... <laughs> thick as gravy. Thick as mince. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll wrap up the Norwich prediction start side of it now. Are we are we overall as a fan base confident going into this game, or should we put our reservation hats on? I don't. I think as Son of fans, we're never confident. We should never be confident because it's Sunderland. But <laughs> not only have I got the reservation, not only have I got my reservation hat on, but I've yeah. got my safety boots on as well. <laughs> Yeah, high vis jacket. Me has me high vis jacket. Yeah. Sorry, mm. you, you sorry, you son and third kit. No, I don't look it. I like that strip. <sighs> yeah. Speaking of strips, actually, Paul, Paul, do you want to add to that? And we'll talk about the strip thing. <laughs> are you are you confident going into it? No, I'm at the game. <laughs> uh, okay, you need to stop. If we lose, you need to stop going to games. Just watch them on telly. <laughs> Uh, I think genuinely the last time you won the podcast we won the game so on the live stream watch along so you need to start returning to the watch alongs I do (laughs) you're wrong wrong. Paul was at the Southampton game with Bowers and we won yeah but we played a game after that and won that one (laughs) yeah I don't know it's one of those things you just got your lucky routines right um, the final point I wanted to bring out is the new merch. Obviously, it's the thumbnail for this for this video. The oh no, it was the it was the merch, the 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 media around that, and then the Q and A, the stupid questions as Cabby put it at the Q and A. But also, we have Acacia in the chat who is at the Q and A, and we'll be able to add a little bit of extra context on that. So, the new kit, the new merch is the ninety four ninety five away kit. Avex style. I am green. I probably, to be fair, if I go up, um, 
next not next week the week after i'll probably get it because it looks nice it's going to be that kind of retro but it has the old the, the shipbuilder badge which i think is perfect by the way so are you getting that kit are you getting that training kit that collection whatever you want to call it are you interested I'd like yeah blast from the past why not it's just got to be priced right right mm. but you've got to make money somehow aren't you that's just life <laughs> yeah yeah i know you want the you want the third kit don't you rather than the uh yeah i just love that color i've always yeah i do like that is that is that going to be a christmas present uh, no, 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 your wife and say this is what you can get me for Christmas, and just put I'll be, I'll be like, just put, and put Macam Cabby on the back as well at YouTube dot com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, YouTube dot com, absolutely. And I put it on small right on the bottom as well. Um, please subscribe; it doesn't cost a penny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, that'd be good, Cabby. Actually, putting that at the bottom, yeah. <laughs> Paul, are you? It's get... true though, isn't it? Yeah. Don't cost a penny. Does it? Where well, it costs your time though, and time's very precious. Paul, are you getting the kit? Are you getting the merch? Are you done for the season? I probably as well get it so I can use me um me uh, me discount off my season card. That's what you need. That's what you need. Right. The final point for the stream is the Q and A. I generally try to um stay away from q a's purely because i think they are a pr exercise they appease a very vocal part of the fan base and the real questions like are we keeping patrick roberts are we looking at keeping jack clark in our future plans even if we don't go get promoted those kind of like key questions are we looking at selling the club to another another buyer in, in x amount of years those kind of questions are off the cards they're the real questions our fans have and yeah cabby what was one of the stupid questions that you you heard about was it floodlights yeah it's, it's um it's, isn't it about time we upgraded the floodlights the uh they don't look quite dull and i don't like the shape of them they look a bit too old-fashioned <laughs> And, and a lot of the fans are saying, for goodness sake, use your opportunity to ask some productive questions about the shape of floodlights and how should they be upgraded? I mean, I just thought, what? Who's a... I thought Jacob was actually in the audience asking that question. You know, oh, well, that's just rude. Jacob, were you in the, were you in the crowd? Because I don't know. No. Why would I ask a question about the floodlights, Cabby? I don't know. Maybe she's not, not a bright person. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, seriously though. I mean, it's am I being just a bit too much of a snowflake there? Or do you think that was a bit of a, a stupid question to ask? I mean, I think it is a waste of the because obviously his time is very finite in those Q and A's, and he has to come up with a corporate response to that question and give it a genuine, serious answer. So. It's no different to asking them what kind of concessions are they going to have at the stands? Are you go uh, confectionery? Sorry, are you going to have the uh, the revels? Because Tony Mowbray has revels. Like what? A, what a waste of a question! But I think one of the answers, one of the answers to that was something some along the lines like, yeah, "I'm, I'm <laughs> enough to be in queue tomorrow about ten o'clock." <laughs> yeah, 
so uh, in case you're adding, yeah, Speakman said we will be keeping Jack Clark, so that's good to know. He did answer that kind of question. Um, oh, and I've, my camera's froze. Cool. I look really yeah, intense. I'll do... <laughs> Aldi's got some good, some some good bulbs in the middle aisle. <laughs> um, he even said that the Q and A he won't be selling Jack Clark in January. I don't think we can. He's too integral to our success. It would be like not going for Ahmed Diallo in the January transfer as well. Uh, there's going to be fans absolutely clamouring for that. Is there any questions, Paul, that you're aware of that you think were really good questions or just absolutely stupid? Well, to be honest, one of them I actually asked the case here, uh, which I've found it was actually about the new kid deal because apparently it's rumoured that uh, Steve Davison mentioned in the last business meeting that we've got apparently a new kit deal uh, yeah. for next season. But one of them I do like. Um, one of the questions actually was a uh, new kit deal getting strips out early before Father's Day and holidays. New shops ah, in That's not a bad idea. New shops new shops in Sunderland and Durham. And uh, David Bruce actually said uh need a much better retail offer. Uh and need them out in timely fashion. Need much better service levels, have failed in the past and won't in the future. So on the retail side of it, I'm gonna add a little bit of uh, my thoughts behind it. I, when I go on holiday, love to go to the local football stadium, be that Copenhagen, be that um, Melbourne Victory, whatever. If I if I know there's a football team in that area, I will go to the stadium and buy a shirt or buy some merch. There is some horrific, horrific club fan shops. When we had the galleries open, that was a good little extra outlet to like have on the side. Why is it doing this with a cameraman? There you go. <laughs> but now that we've got just the one on the stadium, it does feel like a really poor service. It looks nice inside, but it's rarely ever open. It's open at inconvenient times. I think it's shut like on a normal day at three o'clock, which obviously if you work at nine to five and something, you're never going to be able to pop in and just, oh, I'll check if they've got any those new training shirts I like or this or that. So commercially, we do need to improve. So having a shop in Durham makes complete sense. Having a shop in Sunderland Town Centre makes sense also with the... Uh... Someone Ernst would have something to say about that, wouldn't he? Yeah, well, it's, a, it's a cash flow, isn't it? Obviously, there's an expense of the overheads of renting the um, the, the thing, but it's also making it accessible to the fans who can't travel the stadium every single day. Not every single Sunderland fan lives right next to the stadium. Hello, look at look at us four. Well, three of us, Some, pot, somebody, also, somebody also asked this question. Um, outside of the stadium, it looks like a zombie apocalypse. Um, <laughs> and KLD apparently says they've been trying to prioritise investment and went with the team investment first. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get that, like, but also you've got to make the place look attractive for players to come into. Right, saying that, if you're going from Sunderland to Birmingham, like Joe Bellingham made a really smart, smart decision. St Andrews is an absolute dive. <laughs> like. If the club they're at is worse than what we are, we're never we're never realistically going to get deals like um, Jack Clark happen a lot. So he comes from Spurs, right? But Spurs weren't playing him, so he's looking for that big brand. For the clubs like So Sure or Benfica B team, 
Benfica B to Benfica A is more promising, but to get game time, Hamia were like, oh, someone's more likely to play me. We haven't, but we were. So, yeah, I don't know. We've got to be, we're going to be an attractive club physically, but also an attractive club developmentally. So, yeah. So what I liked about it as well, somebody actually asked about the pre-season tour. Yeah. Um, Speakman said that uh, it'll probably be in Spain or Portugal. The club's actually hoping to announce where we're going in pre-season in January. So we've got time to plan the holiday rather than two weeks to go, shit, can we go to North Carolina next week? Yeah, <laughs> that makes more sense, especially if we're doing an international tour. Planning holidays is, is not as easy as most. Like They think every fan is just going to drop out of the, the, the whim of a hat to, to go, yeah, let's just go here. Doesn't make sense to me. But yeah, really good question, that one. Any more? Any more good? Any more bad? Uh, also, I suppose been better away fans being moved. What? Sorry. So, what was the answer to the uh, question around away fans being moved? Does anybody know on that one? Because Acacia says um, they're going to look into it. What does that mean? Away, no where the away fans are on the top tier and they can throw stuff down at the at the Southern fans. And was it last season that? Was it a Burnley fan? Was when, I think the atmosphere was better when the um, Weir fans was uh, down on the lower tier. In the corner, like fighting there. It was easier sure. to police as well because you could drag them out. You didn't have to have the police officer run up like 20 flights of stairs and drag out somebody who was basically assaulting people. Um, yeah. The, the, yeah, like yeah, the pyro being thrown down from the north stand. I, was, I think that was Burnley. I think it was Burnley. Well, I like about it as well. Actually, I know there was a bit. Go on, Jacob. Are you sure? Oh, no, you go first, Paul. Sorry. Same what I like about it as well. The club's actually going to look at uh, the match day experience. Oh. Well, the majority of the match day experience is the 90 minutes on the pitch, to be honest, mate. Yeah, but David Bruce said the, the club is going to possibly look at a sports arena next to the ground. You know, like for. Yeah, especially for newer fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, the club are actually going to look at it. Yeah. So th- there's two final questions I want to like highlight, and I know they've been asked. There was the Jack Clark being sold in January. Um, Jim's just clarified he's not getting sold. They don't want to keep him. Uh, they don't want to like accept any other offer unless it's absolutely crazy amount of money, which is completely understandable. If there's somebody offers them like 35, 40 million for Jack Clark. We have to take that really we could buy four really good replacements and make that team more competitive for everybody that's in there with that cash but also on like buying and selling players i think with the media and the press stuff the whole like patrick roberts is going to get sold in january as well i think that's going to go out the window very very quickly i think he is a club favorite from kld and speakman standpoint and Club actually did meant uh, one of the questions actually was actually asked about uh, communication with the fans. Yes, so this is obviously first step of that. By the way, like that 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 Q and A session was hundred percent first step of them having an open dialogue with the fans. Which yes, Steve Davidson said they're going to do more like this, and he said that they're going to try and go on the radio a lot more as well. 
do, do you know what would be really really interesting if we uh managed to send them an invite to this podcast <laughs> <laughs> well i know i know there's like multiple sunland podcasts out there you've got what the folk you've got Mackham in the middle you got well i think Mackham middle is now called speak sunderland you've got obviously this the Mackham football show you've got i've got a bloody list and i can't even remember half of them <laughs> Um, if they were invited to a podcast, I think it would be the Sunland Echoes. I think. Ah, oh, the Sunland Echoes one is horrible, though. I, like, I, I have a oh, chat in there, and they did. The <laughs> yeah, they, like I mean, the Sunland Echo makes sense because they've got a good press release, uh, press like system in place. But it's not like speaking with the fans. It's speaking with, um, how do I put it? It's speaking with the press on the fans' behalf. Like the the questions are going to be so watered down and filtered, it's unreal. Uh, yeah, sorry. Wise the, men say. What, yeah, wise men say. Wise men say. You've got uh, what the fork. You've got um, fans. Uh, fans Rope react as well. I kind of class that as a podcast because it's like after the game with uh, Sean, and then you've got Roker, Roker Rapport. Report. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So there is a lot of a lot of Sunland podcasters and podcast teams out there that do good work. They, they have good, good discussions, hopefully, about our club and our progression. Um, yeah. The final one is, because I think this was a silly question, and I'm not sure about you, but the cleanliness of the club's stadium. <laughs> it's not clean enough, and it needs a wash. I mean, like, if you go to it, it is something that needs doing, but should it really take the time out of a Q&A to bring that up? Cabby. Paul's, Paul's t- in hysterics, so he can't answer. Cabby? Does it, do I think it's, is it that externally or internally? Inter- mm-hmm. That's an internal question, and it's external on the stadium. Have you, the outside of the stadium's too dirty and it needs a wash. I, I look. I, I wouldn't be too bothered if if there was human feces splattered all over the bloody walls. As, as long as the as long as the business is getting done on the pitch, I think that's what matters. To be honest with you, so you can clean the clean the crap up elsewhere. Yeah. Well, to be fair, there's two two points to that. Jordies were doing that. They were the they were the, uh, the urine on the Stoke or statue. So there is literally human excrement. <laughs> but... Well, there's human excrement. There's human excrement in every single seat that sits down at St James's Park, isn't there? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now that's just, yeah, but that's just a, that's a landfill, Cabby. St James's Park. That's a landfill. So... It's like an explosion on a shite farm, isn't it? <clears throat> Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to trim that tiny little word out of my uh, out of the podcast at the end, so it doesn't get lifted. Um, yeah, I, I think it is a silly question. It, it's just like, yeah, it's nice to look at, but nobody really cares. Apparently, that one fan does, though. Was that you, Paul? Did you ask that question? I didn't go. Uh, <laughs> that's all right. I, I, I think it sounded like Cabby. I think I think it might be Cabby. All right. <laughs> well, put it this way, goodness knows what they would say if they went to Roker Park in my days. Lum and <laughs> Roker Park was <laughs> class. Um, oh, it was absolutely brilliant, yeah, but the cleanliness and the outskirts and stuff. It was proper football back then, wasn't it? A oh, proper, God, sorry, absolutely. a proper football ground, shall we say. Proper football still, oh, yeah. but yeah. Um, 
I'll ask you one last question and then we'll uh, wrap up the podcast because we're over the hour now, which is going to be one of our longest ones. If you had one question to ask KLD, Speakman, the board of directors, whoever it is that you want to speak to, what's your question and why? I'll give you a minute to think about it because I know what mine is already. I am a fan that rarely goes to the games because I live so far away. If I had the opportunity, I would. I buy the streaming passes. I buy the watch-along passes when they're available. Not Basically, not Saturday, 3 o'clock kickoff. I don't get any points or priority in games that are in my area. Why can't my purchases for watching the game, listening live to the game, etc., count towards the points that you need to buy away tickets? That's that's my question. Why can't I, as a, a supporting paying fan, as as much as I live miles and miles away from the Stadium of Light, not get priority or some level of priority for the money I'm putting into the club? Yeah. I agree. Stadium pe- People who go to the Stadium of Light week in, week out should have priority as well. They get points for it, but where's my points? Where's my points? <laughs> where's my little bit of... Oh, you support the club. You clearly support the club. Here's a, here's a one day early potential purchase option. That's what they get. They get. I think you get three days early when they how. Well, you'll know the the because you got the season pass. But the away games, how early can you buy the tickets and how easy is it to get them? It depends, really, because uh, well, the, the the club will. You know when it well when they've got the tickets, uh, they'll put the information on the website. Mm-hmm. Uh, they won't. No, they, so they don't. What they do is they send out an email to everybody who has a season ticket, and say you can click on this link. But hope hope you don't share it with everybody. But this link will allow you to buy the tickets. You've got to log in, and they'll say this this is not available to you. This is available to you. They literally put limited access on people who have these priority points. Oh, as somebody who watches online, it's it's two different systems basically. SAFC and the ticket system, Ticketmaster, is two different systems, and they haven't merged them. So, why can't an online streaming pass be classed as a ticket? That's yeah, my que- that's my that. that's my that's my question. That's my question. Well, the, the, the uh, one of the questions actually in the Q and A actually was about Ticketmaster. Okay. Uh, and Steve Davison, I think, is going to change, uh, change actually, change it, change the supplier. Okay. No, I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's the supplier. But one, mean... one of them I, I do like. Um, that was actually asked. It was about actually about the ticket offers, because as you probably noticed, there's just Chris Waters. Mm-hmm. Um, that's helping the fans now. Uh, the club is well. Steve Davison said they are going to try and try and actually get extra staff uh, in the ticket office to answer the telephones and actually help Chris Waters. That shouldn't be a a a, a, a problem, really. People would love to have uh, Sunland AFC on their CV, so getting staff in, even if it is in the customer service role, should be easy enough. Right. I've given you a little bit of time to think about your question. What's your question? Well, mine actually was actually asked in the Q and A. What was it then? What was your Q and A question? 
Well, actually, mine actually was about uh, investment. Uh, oh. PLD um, uh, said if, if I think he said if uh, you know if if he can't um, you know, take us forward, mm -hmm. uh, he will actually bring investors in with him uh, that could take the club at the next step. Okay, so with, basically, uh, with him in charge. so basically, he would still be the 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 chairman. But you would have investors who would pump money into the club if we get promoted. That's the way I'm reading yeah. that. Okay. Gabby, what would your question be? Or what is your question? Question would be <coughs> there's a um there's a shortage of <coughs> um public toilets for the gents in the stadium. because <laughs> um, I was desperate the other day and I had to share with a stranger. I weren't happy about it. <laughs> That's what I would ask. More toilets. More toilets, yeah. Have you ever have you not noticed that half time you've gone down? Um the, the queues. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, but that's because you got that's because you've got forty odd thousand people going for this like a, a, a was it like a fifty man toilet? The another, toilets another are big. Well, in, in, in the gents convenience rooms, the uh, the hand dryers they need to be more powerful. They don't dry your hands properly. <laughs> and that's a health and safety concern. That's what I think. Oh, uh, okay. That's a very interesting question. Uh, Jacob, what's your question? Yeah. I don't know why to take that, Gabby, by the way. What was your question, Bill? My, my question for Dreyfus, for Dreyfus would be, when we get to the Prem... What are you going to be aiming for? Are you going to be aiming for? Are you going to actually? Would you actually push for top six, or would you just want to stabilise this like mid table, like ten? Yeah. You know. So oh my god. Mainly my question to him. Okay. Just, we, just see what his, his vision is for us in the prem. Yeah, we we've had Brad join us at the dying embers of the stream. You alright, buddy? Bonjour, Bradley. All right, I'm. Oh, too bad. What's your question for the owners then? My question was, um, what was it again? Um, <laughs> trying to think, because um, me and Paul went through a big Q&A the other night, didn't we, Paul? We were looking through lots and lots of questions, weren't we? Um, yeah, we did, because Anth was watching the stream. <laughs> <laughs> Just thinking what my question was again, because I didn't mention in yeah. the thing. Um, I think it was something related to Mowbray. I'm just thinking what it was. Was it not that um, the club didn't back Mowbray, uh, Brad? That's it. That's it. Yeah, that was it. Are you going to back Mowbray? Is that... Like, um, what were you saying there, Ron? Sorry? Your question is, are they going to back Mowbray? No, I don't think Paul Worthing got properly yeah. was um basically it was um <laughs> um Mowbray um, didn't get much support in the summer apparently according to um Christian Speakman and stuff like that and apparently um Okay. He was linked with a summer exit. Apparently he was actually linked with a summer exit from the club. Um, yes. 
So on that, there was three things. So there was rumor mills around replacement uh, managers uh, coming in the Jan in this summer uh, window. But when as soon as it was a week before the North America trip, he was backed because all of the alternative options that were getting looked into were not good enough. Mm-hmm. In terms of backing um, him on decisions of players that they want, they've given one player. Alex Neal got Lyndon Gooch. We got Bradley Dack. So he's had his yeah. he's had his backing. Um so yeah, that that that's that. Um on that more on that note, it is over, well over an hour into this podcast. So I am going to end it there. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Um, thank you very much for tuning in. I'm we're doing a pod, uh, the watch along tomorrow at three o'clock for uh, we we're here live 15 minutes before kickoff. So if you want to tune in for that, by all means do so. But other than that, catch you tomorrow. How are the lads, boys? See you later. See you later. How are the lads? Hello. Hello. <laughs> Where are the lads? <laughs>